Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So delighted to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and it is a and it is a very special day you've come into Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. For we have many items for you to peruse, oddities, curiosities, baubles and trinkets, but it is not the items that but it is not the items that lead us into the heart of our episode today on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, for it is the day in which you have uh, graced the threshold of this haunted shop. For it is June 19th, more colloquially known as Juneteenth, a very special day, and a day which leads us into today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, The Blackening. So, The Blackening is a new horror comedy that just came out uh, very appropriately on Juneteenth weekend. Of course, today being Juneteenth. It's from director Tim Story. Now, if you're not familiar with Tim Story, you're, you're probably uh, maybe not knowing him by name, but you probably have heard of or seen a lot of his films. Of course, he did uh, Barbershop. He did uh, the Ride Along movies, Think Like a Man movies. Uh, he did the Shaft remake. If you're a genre fan like I am, you know him from the Fantastic Four movie and, of course, Rise of the Silver Surfer in 2005 and 2006. And of course, this is most uh, recent film, The Blackening, uh, was a, a movie that I, I didn't really have on my radar until I saw the first trailer for it. And, and I can't remember exactly where I saw the trailer, if it was uh, before one of the, the more recent movies I've watched or if it's maybe something that came up online. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, this is interesting. You've set the hook and uh, I, I've got to check this out. And I'm not a... It's not that I'm not a huge fan of horror comedies. I'm a huge fan of horror comedies when they're done right. And and there are a lot of horror comedies out there that are done right and are really good. But then there are some that are just not done very well. So I'm always a little hesitant, always a little leery when it comes to watching a horror comedy. I always have to set my expectations because sometimes I set my expectations too high and I'm sorely disappointed. Uh, so with this, you know, my, my expectations were tempered, but just given the, the trailer, I thought, okay, this is at the very least probably going to be a really funny movie. But there again, I think that's probably my biggest problem with horror comedies is that sometimes they don't lean enough on the horror and too much on the comedy or, or they're so comedic that it really comes off as satire or like a spoof, kind of like scary movie where it's more about the comedy and goofing on horror than it is actually setting tone and setting tension and atmosphere and at least giving it the trappings of what a good horror movie should be. But I thought there was a lot of really good material to be mined because just given from the trailer, you could really tell a lot of the a lot of the films and a lot of the tropes they were drawing on. Of course, there is the the trope that is probably most 
notable when it comes to black actors in a horror movie. Uh, you know, there's this kind of mythos that the black characters always die first. Now, if you watched Horror Noir, the wonderful documentary on the history of black horror, you know that's kind of a misnomer because in a lot of horror films, it is not the black character that dies first. They usually make it uh, at least most of the way through the movie. But this movie does kind of play off that even in the advertising, uh, the movie poster, we can't all die first. So I thought, okay, this is, I think, going to be a really fun movie to watch. And I, I think the comedy is, yeah, there's a lot of comedy to be mined from the subject matter of these tropes and horror movies and doing this as a horror comedy. So I was really interested. And this weekend was really kind of a, a big weekend because not only did you have this coming out, The Blackening, you also had The Flash movie coming out. And I also had another movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, that I haven't watched yet. So I, I was really kind of torn as to what I was going to watch and what was going to be the subject matter for Monday's show. Now, of course, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, I haven't seen that yet, so it's not going to be very timely for me to talk about it now. Uh, and, and it is something I do want to talk about to, at some point after I do see it, but I think it's probably going to be more like a random curiosity where I just briefly talk about it. I, I, I've kind of got to prioritize like actual live action films above animated films uh, you know, when you know on a case-by-case -case basis it is something I want to talk about on the show uh, whether it's doing a full episode or by the time I actually get to watching it it's probably going to be more like a random curiosity we're just going to talk about it quickly but I do want to see across the spider-verse I think it's going to be a good movie I've heard a lot of good things about it just haven't watched it yet the flash movie on the other hand ah. Uh, Part of me wants to watch it, but part of me doesn't care if I watch it because the DC universe, uh, cinematic universe, is in such upheaval right now. I think I'd almost rather check in when James Gunn has his movies coming out because as of right now, like just watching it, I I'm so tired of the multiverse thing. You know, Marvel's been doing this multiverse thing for a while now, and it feels like DC, uh, even though I know they've been doing it a while back with the Flash TV series, Infinite Earth Saga and stuff like that. It, it just feels like, you know, okay, what did Marvel do? Well, let's do that. And I just don't care. I mean, I'll watch the, the Flash movie when it comes out on Max, and, and I may do a random curiosity on that. Uh, when it comes out as well, just kind of do a brief little summary of what I think of the movie. But really, when I thought about it, it, it really was not a hard choice. I really wanted to see the blackening. And I thought it was appropriate because this movie takes place on Juneteenth and this episode will be coming out on Juneteenth uh, this uh, Monday. So I, I thought it's perfect. It was meant to be. And I have to say, I really liked this movie. Like I said, I'm not, I'm always hesitant about horror comedies. And this movie did lean a more, little more comedy than horror, but that's not to say it didn't have a lot of elements of horror. We'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty of it all coming up. But I, I, I did enjoy this movie. I thought the cast was great. The chemistry between the cast members were great. And we'll get into the cast members uh, and uh, maybe not all of them or I'll, I'll briefly, because there's, there's like a ton of people in this movie. But uh, the cast members were, were great. Like I said, a lot of good chemistry. The characters they play are all very interesting. And... They play into different stereotypes and different tropes 
play into them, play against them. They're very interesting characters, and they're all, while some of them start out to not be as likable as others, you know, by the end of it, you, go, you like them all. You, you're rooting for them all. And so that that was really interesting, an aspect I really liked about it. And while it did have a lot of smart humor and a lot of smart comedy, it wasn't like knee-slapping jokes or anything like that. All of the comedy really fit in with the action. The comedy was more reaction-based. It is how people respond to certain situations, respond to each other, and the smart remarks that one makes, which I can appreciate that because as any of my friends and family will attest, uh, I am nothing but smart remarks anytime there's a gathering of us. So so I really appreciated the style of humor. And like I said, uh, a lot of the a lot of the humor revolved around black culture, which, you know, if you've ever seen me, I'm as white as white can be. But but it was still such that I can appreciate it because, like I said, it did play off a lot of stereotypes and a lot of tropes that, uh, you know, you, if you're familiar with popular culture, you're familiar with, with some of these. And everybody just had really good comedic timing. But I think most importantly, this film and what Tim's story did with it is he really set it in a good horror setting, a cabin in the woods. You know, that's become a trope of its own and a subgenre of horror of its own. And how many great horror classics have been set in a cabin in the woods? So setting it there and and the atmosphere and the creepiness and the tension that he built uh, was really centered in horror. While, while there weren't a ton of really scary moments you always had that feel of dread. You always had that feel of horror about this movie and that atmosphere of horror about this movie, even in some of the instances where you are getting a lot of funny lines of dialogue from, from these very uh, funny actors. It just it was a nice mesh of the horror and the comedy. Like I said, it wasn't that scary, but it still felt like a horror movie throughout the whole thing in the midst of all the comedy. Because, like I said, it does lean more comedy than it does horror, just because I think there aren't as many scares. But especially early on, there are a lot of creepy moments. There are a lot of moments that, that might make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And I, I really dug that aspect of it. Uh, steeped in horror, but still a funny movie. So if you haven't watched The Blackening, I encourage you to go check it out check it out in the movie theater this is definitely a movie i watched it in the movie theater but i i went to the matinee because one uh i i work in radio and i work for a boss that uh appreciates what i do but not financially so you know i'm on a budget uh so i went to watch the matinee and it was like me and two other girls uh sitting there in the movie theater watching this but but this is definitely a movie you want to see with with a crowd of people because everybody's going to get into the the comedy and the the elements of horror that are in there like i said it's not uh, a bunch of scares but it is a, a horror atmosphere and it's just kind of a, a nice juxtaposition between uh, the horror tension and the the comedy 
uh, release that you get throughout this whole movie that I think is just going to be one of those movies that you'll want to see with a big crowd of people, a big group of your friends going. So I encourage you, go watch The Blackening if you haven't, then come back and hear my thoughts. Uh, if you don't want anything spoiled for you, I encourage you to do that. If you've watched it or you're you're on the fence, whatever, uh, we're going to go on, but there are going to be some spoilers from here on out. A lot of spoilers for that matter. So uh, spoilers ahead. You've been warned. So The Blackening was actually based on a comedy short from, well, I mean, he's a, a writer in this, but he is also an actor, Dwayne Perkins. Uh, he's part of the Chicago like improv group. Uh, back in 2018, they did the Three P Presents The Blackening, and it was a comedy short. You can watch it on Comedy Central on YouTube. A actually very funny, and it's all based on the scene that we get in the movie, uh, which is done not 100% faithfully, but pretty damn faithful to the short where the killer will spare everyone if they pick the person in the group that is the blackest and sacrifice him to the or her to the to the serial killer and that's what this short is about and it, and it plays out very similar uh like i said maybe not word for word but it's pretty damn close and i i finally watched that i watched that when i came home i found it and uh hilarious stuff and i could see where they thought this would make the start of a really good movie. And of course, uh, Dwayne Perkins and screenwriter Tracy Oliver. Of course, she's done a ton of stuff. She wrote Barbershop, The Next Cut, a few other things over the past few years. She's, she's written some TV. But they took the idea of this short and fleshed it out and made a, a full feature out of this, which, uh, like I said, Tim Story uh, directed it's interesting listening to Tim's story talk about this because he's primarily known for more comedy, uh, you know, some drama, but mostly comedy. And for him to do uh, a horror, a horror comedy, uh, it was interesting hearing him talk about drawing on some of those old slasher films that he liked growing up. And I know Tracy Oliver is a huge horror fan as well. And kind of drawing on those those horror influences to be able to to create a comedy, but a comedy very much steeped in horror, very much steeped in the history of horror, because you've got a lot of influences in this. Uh, just with the Cabin in the Woods feel, you've got, you know, Evil Dead, actually cabin in the woods because that is a horror comedy one of the horror comedies that is done right uh, you know you draw a lot of influence off that there's a lot of scream influence with kind of the self-awareness of this it's not done as overtly as scream but you do have a, a sense of self-awareness with this movie which i enjoy uh scary movie again a lot of the satire of it all but they're again not overdone like scary movie there's definitely a saw influence in this with the game and and how it's played and this definitely is not uh, a movie that influenced this movie because it came out not too long ago but it's it's a movie that played off a of similar themes was that movie on hulu sick i got a lot of those vibes there again these movies have come out close enough that i'm sure sick was not on their mind when they were writing and filming the blackening but but if you've watched that movie you get kind of a, a very similar 
feel between these two movies. But the whole basic premise of this movie is you've got this group of black friends. They all went to college together. It's been about 10 years since they were last together. And they finally decide they're going to celebrate Juneteenth because that was the last time that they were together on Juneteenth. I believe it was 10 years prior. They're going to meet and the first two characters that we come across, Sean and Morgan, played by uh, Jay Farrow and Yvonne Orji, they've rented this Airbnb cabin out in the middle of the woods to, to have this big party with, with all their friends and spend time. They haven't been together in 10 years. But this probably, uh, one of the scariest moments of the movie is that they're in this house, they're waiting for their other friends to show up, and they find this kind of secret game room well not really a secret they thought the door was locked but it's now open they go down to this game room and there's this game on the table and the game is called the blackening and of course they take the the box top off and there's this board game with all these various pieces almost like monopoly pieces but probably the most disturbing thing uh, maybe not probably the most disturbing thing is this face in the middle of the board it's very much like a blackface character a sambo character i've heard it described as my father for the longest time was a, an antique dealer and had an antique shop and every once in a while pieces would come into his shop uh, that were of a time when you had figurines with uh, characters that had very racially insensitive blackface characters on it. It, it looked like some of those. <laughs> and it had some, you know, it, it, right away you knew it had it was going to have some good comedy, like some smart comedy and not like jokes set up and punchlines sort of situation. It was really going to be uh, smart remarks and clever remarks and, and humorous remarks uh, that all dealt within the the story that's being told where you have the Jay Farrow character talking about how the game probably runs on racism uh, because the little face starts talking to them. But it very much had a Saw vibe with it because the the little face is telling them to, to play this game and they have to pick a card and the consequences answer the question correctly or die. And they draw a card. The question is... Uh, name two black characters that make it to the end of a horror film. And of course, <laughs> the Jay Farrow's character, Sean, says the Jada Pinkett and Omar Epps from Scream 2, and everybody knows they tire right off. But there is a nice little meta moment that uh, Yvonne Orji said, her character Morgan says uh, that they weren't in the movie because they probably couldn't pay to have those uh, those big name actors through uh, the whole movie. And then they kind of look at each other and uh, this kind of uh, concerned look. It was very much a, a nice meta moment. And I think that's probably one of the things I really liked about this scene because it set up the type of comedy because it was kind of a, a meta uh, self-aware comedy sense of humor and it also set up a lot of the tension and atmosphere i mean this was a very atmospheric scene it was a very you know when you're not getting those bits of comedy there's a lot of tension and a lot of mystery and then of course jay farrow getting shot in the, the neck with a crossbow bolt was very disturbing and you thought oh shit people can die in this movie there are stakes now granted that doesn't last but it was a great scene i think to to open up this movie and to give you a sense of what this movie was about the the humor was smart 
The comedy was very much ingrained in the dialogue and the happenings that are going on around them. Like I said, it wasn't just knee-slappy jokes and sitcom-y type humor. It was very much ingrained in what is going on and in the dialogue. And like I said, it, it really set the atmosphere and the tension of a horror film, which you, you needed to get that right right off the bat for this movie to be taken serious as a horror movie. And I thought Tim's story did a really good job with that. And he maintained it throughout the bulk of this movie. Did a good job of maintaining that tension, maintaining that air of mystery. Even though I kind of figured out who the perpetrator was uh, to a degree, I want to say about halfway through, there really was an air of mystery about it. The, you know, what is going on? Why is this happening? Who, who is after them? Who is trying to kill them? For what reasons? But that atmosphere and tension was very important to get right, right off the bat. And, and they did that. And, and Tim Story did that and maintained it throughout the, the movie, which I think, again, also important. You can have a great first scene, have it be creepy and scary, but if you don't maintain that, at least through the better part of this movie, again, not going to be taken serious as a horror movie. And I think they did a really good job with that. So we're going to go down the cast list real quick. And I'm going to talk about some of my, my favorite characters. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the tropes and the stereotypes that these characters play with and play against. Some of the characters I really just don't have much to say about because there wasn't a lot. I mean, there were, you know, everybody had their part in this movie, but, you know, there were just certain characters that didn't really have a major trope or a major stereotype that they played into. They were just kind of there. All good actors. But anyway, we'll get into that. Uh, first off, we've got Allison, played by Grace Byers. I really liked her character. Uh, she was the... She was the mixed race character. She's got a white dad and a black mother and plays off that when it suits her needs. And it, I, I'm guessing this character was kind of based on people who do that. You know, when when it's important for her to be white, she's whiter than anything. And when it's important for her to be black, she's the blackest in there. And it, it was a kind of an interesting look at this type of character. Uh, I thought Grace Byers did a really good job with it. She had a lot of... Uh, really funny scenes and I hate to say it like that because when you talk about somebody having very funny scenes it sounds like it's just all comedy and jokes and jokes and jokes but really it, it, it's more in her performance of how she and, and a lot of these actors it's just their performance and how they respond to things the comedic timing and of course the writing of Tracy Oliver and Dwayne Perkins and how they wrote these characters. I think it all just mixed very well. And and she, this Allison character, did have a lot of funny moments and funny quips throughout this movie. Another character, Clifton, played by Jermaine Fowler. Just a, a fantastic job with this character. This character kind of bordered on parody a little bit. It bordered on being a little cartoonish because he is a, a nerd, for, for lack of a better term, but it is definitely playing off the, like the stereotypical nerd and very much the Urkel type character. And just his performance of this character was just kind of awkward and, and not in the performance, not his performance was awkward, but, but the character was awkward and he, and he really kind of accentuated that awkward feeling that you get. But again, this character was so brilliant because it was a lot more complex than just him being a nerd. Because if you listen, when everybody's talking and everybody's going, 
going back and forth and 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 shit's kind of hitting the fan and he is kind of in the background doing running commentary and commenting on things people are saying and some of you know these truth bombs and things like that are some of them are freaking hilarious and there's that one scene where a, a gun gets brought into play and the sinkable walls character namdi he is shooting this uh this pistol and he's kind of doing it kind of that stereotypic gangsta you know thug where he's got the gun tilted sideways and he's missing and the Clifton character takes the gun and kind of moves it so he's firing it upright like he should not all sideways it was just not a, a line of dialogue was spoken or at least nothing of any major consequence it was just the timing and and the action and the looks and it was probably one of the funniest scenes that was I think the myself and the the two girls that were a couple rows ahead of me. Uh, I think that was one scene where all we all kind of busted out laughing out loud. But there again, Jermaine Fowler, a wonderful job with this character and a wonderful actor. I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff, TV and movies. He's done Robot Chicken, Family Guy. Uh, he was in the Coming to America 2. Another character, one of my favorite characters, was King, played by Melvin Gregg. Not an actor I'm terribly familiar with. I know he was in Sharknado 3, but I'm not familiar with a lot of his other work. But I really did enjoy his performance uh, as the King character. And the King character kind of was one of those characters that played against a stereotype where he's a former thug, a, a former gangster, but he's turned kind of towards inner peace and very namaste and very introspective. But they make the joke that, oh, you're not you're not carrying a gun. Uh, no, he doesn't do that anymore. But then the gun that comes into play later is a gun that he brought. But he had a lot of really funny moments. He's making uh, Kool-Aid at the beginning of this movie. And the amount, of, you know, it's, it's Kool-Aid mixed with alcohol. Uh, you know, it's a party. But uh, he's, he's mixing sugar into this Kool-Aid. And it is an ungodly amount of sugar. I mean, by the time the, the camera cuts to him and he's making this Kool-Aid, there's already probably two-thirds or three-quarters of that bag of sugar in this. And everybody that drinks this Kool-Aid is like, damn. And they're talking, you know, they make jokes about uh, getting diabetes. And, of course, diabetes big in the, the black community and kind of playing against that. But they also talk about you're going to get cramps. You can't drink all that sugar without getting cramps. And there's a scene later where he's fighting this serial killer and finds out the serial killer can't fight. <laughs> the guy's trying to punch and kick and just missing. It's almost buffoonish. And so he starts whipping this guy's ass. And then he goes to, I think he goes to kick the serial killer. And he comes up lame because he's got a cramp from all that sugar. Uh, it's just a, a funny scene. And uh, Melvin Gregg, for me, as King, probably one of the funniest characters. One of the characters I enjoyed watching most. Uh, his comedic timing was brilliant on this. Uh, there's the character Shaniqua, uh, played by X Mayo. Uh, a good character. I, I really enjoyed her performance. Uh, she's the she's the character that's got all the drugs, and and she you know she's kind of important because uh, she gives. Uh, Allison Adderall when she's supposed to be giving her painkillers, which causes some hijinks. Her scene where uh, they're kind of recreating that scene about uh, they have to choose who is the blackest person in this group and sacrifice that person. Once she finds out that 
uh, Clifton, who they all decide is going to be the sacrifice. Not that he's the blackest character, but he is the, the one they're going to sacrifice. It, it all pretty much comes down to the revelation that he voted for Trump twice and her reactions to that are just brilliant and hilarious but there again not a character that delved into too many stereotypes or tropes there's the Dwayne character played by Dwayne Perkins who was part of the writing team and, and came up with this original comedy bit for the blackening that that started this whole thing now his character is interesting because uh, the Dwayne character in this is a homosexual and it really plays off of how homosexuality is within the black community it's really interesting if you watch any interviews where he gets to talk about that uh, you know some of the some of the ideas behind that uh, but it was a very interesting character again another one of those characters is just hilarious and he he kind of steals most of the scenes that he's in uh and and was really funny and fun to watch he kind of has a an issue with the character we're going to talk about next lisa and, and they kind of make up but at this point she is bludgeoned one of the or bludgeoned the serial killer to death or one of them yeah this is the spoiler se section uh, she bludgeons the second one to death and he doesn't want to hug her because she's full of like blood and guts all over him so they do this kind of patty cake thing it was uh, just his reactions and and facial expressions and his his comments and and things like that just uh, again a, another really funny character and, and all the humor is tied within the dialogue and within the story which made i think the the humor so smart and, and so brilliant for this horror comedy next is lisa uh played by antoinette robertson she again i i don't know as if she plays against stereotypes or anything like that but she formerly dated the uh namdi character who we talked about and we'll, we'll get a little more into detail with him next but he cheated on her and she's back with him. And Dwayne is kind of her her guy friend. And he's upset that she's kind of ditching him to get back with this guy that, that hurt her before. She does a really good job with this character. It was, was really enjoyable to watch. I, not a ton of comedy out of this character. Her and the Namdi character were probably two more of the, in comedic terms, the, the straight men. Uh, or women, as this may be, uh, in this case, most literally and figuratively. But I thought she did a really good job with this character. It made you care about the character and the relationship between both of these guys. Now, Sinqua Walls plays the Namdi character. He is, like I said, he kind of plays against the you know player stereotype, but he's kind of turned his life around. He's known for cheating on women and cheating on Lisa, but he's trying to do the right thing and have a, a quality relationship with her where he doesn't cheat on her. And, uh, you know, so that was an interesting kind of playing against that stereotype. And, and again, he, you know, he's a big, tough guy, runs a gym or owns a gym, but he's the big, the big, tough guy of the group. Again, does a really good job with, with this character and, there again, at the beginning, is a character you probably don't want to like, but as you get to know him and this relationship with him and Lisa and, and the way it all ends, it, it's a character you, you do end up liking. I think all these characters at some point or another, uh, most of them you like. There are a few that you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to like them, but you like everybody by the end. You're wanting everybody to survive by the end. Then, of course, last but not least is is Dietrich Bader in this. And you, you saw him in the, the trailers, but he plays 
Officer White. He's a, a forest ranger. And it's so funny. It's It seems like low-hanging fruit. And it seems like it, it's a cheap laugh calling this white guy Officer White. But... Uh, but it worked because Dietrich Bader is so freaking funny and he has some hilarious scenes. Not necessarily the first scene we meet him, but the scenes later because uh, there's a scene where he's come, he heard screaming. You've got three of the characters coming out. Uh, he's got a gun. They've got their hands up. They don't know, you know, if he's on their side or not. And he does this thing where uh, if I got invited to the cookout, I'd be honored, but I'd definitely not come. And they're like, why wouldn't you come? And he, he did this whole thing about uh, their all black space and, and him interrupting it would just make everyone uncomfortable and it make it not an all black space. And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It, it just the delivery of it all and, and the writing it just made it uh, such a, a funny scene. And, and like I said, Dietrich Bader, hilarious guy. And most everything I've seen him in, uh, he does a, a fantastic job with with any comedy he's given. But that's also the scene where where Dwayne does this. Uh, you know, he they bust out the door and see Officer White there. And he, he says, I've never been so happy to see a white savior. And again, they're they're kind of playing into those those tropes. Not even necessarily just horror tropes. You get that a lot in and a lot of films and a lot of TV shows. The whole white savior trope and just kind of the commentary on that was was very funny and the irony of that was very funny. But yeah, this movie all hinges around this game, this the blackening game, and it is pretty much they have to answer questions, and and all these questions really pertain to black culture, black history. And that really plays in, I think, to the bigger theme of this movie. It's the black community judging itself on if this person or that person is black enough. And it's not a veiled theme. They they quite literally come out and, and talk about this because that is the, the crux of this whole movie is uh, a lot of these questions about blackness and, you know, whether you know your black history. A lot of these questions on these cards are, are all about, and, and some of them are, are pretty standard. You know, can you name black inventors? Uh, what does the NAACP stand for? One of the, It's like a multiple choice question. And the, one of the multiple choice is so ridiculous. But, uh, but there are straight up questions and then there are questions like in the tv show friends how many black characters show up and it's done so funny because everyone is pretending like they don't watch friends but then one by one oh but i know this actor oh i know craig robinson was in it everybody eventually names all five of the black characters in the show friends even though they all claim to never watch it and it turned out they were all wrong because the correct answer was i don't watch that shit i watch living single it was so funny, and like I said, the, the timing and the deliveries were all so perfect in that scene. But they don't play this game the whole time in the in the game room. They spend time getting locked in and out of that room, locked in and out of the house. Whoever is behind all this, masterminding all this, has, has some sort of controls over the place. But then it all kind of boils down to they find out that... Uh, there are two serial killers, twins that we met one of them earlier on. I was like, oh no, it's going to be where, you know, the the white rednecks are the bad guys. And it's not that I, I don't think that works. I just wanted something a little more complex than that. 
And and I did get that. How the whole thing boils down is that the the Clifton character, when they had that party 10 years earlier, he was being made fun of because he didn't know how to play spades. And he was uh, so upset at being made fun of that he wasn't black enough that he drank for the first time and then left and killed a woman, spent time in jail for, for manslaughter, vehicular manslaughter. He spent all that time trying to, to figure out how he was going to get revenge. So he hired these these two rednecks to kill all of his former friends. And when that didn't work, he took matters into his own hands. Which to me, that's, that you know, that was a more complex ending. It wasn't just the evil rednecks, which, you know, they're, you know I, I know a lot of rednecks. And, and some of them are uh, pretty much your, your stereotypical redneck. Others, not so much. I know a lot of rednecks that aren't, aren't racist at all. So it would have been easy. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's easy to just make the hillbilly rednecks, the racist rednecks, the, the bad guy in this. But I like and I appreciate that they want one step further further than that it wasn't just that it was this this black man who is getting revenge on his former friends because they ridiculed him for not being black enough and i think that to me is complex it has commentary it's it's tragic and it says a lot more than just that's ah, the racist that did it and then they had that wonderful mid-credit scene well, it was like, i can't even say it was a mid-credit scene they kept they'd play some credits and then they'd flash to part of a scene play some more credits flash to a part of the scene play some more credits and then you get the, the kind of the punchline of it all where they're gathered around and and i think that's probably one of the interesting things about this movie was that you know they they were playing into the trope that black people don't make it to the end of horror movies and uh the, the whole line on the movie poster, we can't all die first. And the fact that almost all the black characters make it through the end of this. The only ones that die are the two at the beginning, uh, Sean and Morgan and Clifton, who is the, the villain in this movie. But they're all gathered outside and they're, they're debating on how how they should handle this. Should they call the cops? Well, if they call the cops, then they're, they're probably going to get shot. Uh, there again, that, that's some, some political stuff and some social stuff that, that I'm not going to get into. But, uh, but they come up with the idea that they're going to call the fire department because nobody from the fire department shoots anybody. And of course, you see here the sirens and the lights show up and all of a sudden they get blasted with a water hose and, and everybody blows off screen. It was very funny and some social commentary there as well, but uh, but it always uh, played for, for some good humor. But all in all, like I said, I, I really like this movie. From, from the top down, I thought it was directed really well. I think Tim Story did a good job with the direction and creating tension and filming this like a horror movie. I mean, the, the shots lingering on shots and, and doors creepily moving open and like I, I heard some interviews with him where he's talking about you know having to linger on shots where you'd want to cut away with comedy or drama or something like that you have to kind of just be patient and and linger on a shot a little longer than you normally would when your instincts are geared towards comedy uh, with horror things are it's a different animal and and he had the patience to do those sorts of things and his 
directing uh, of this cast of very funny people, whether it is the scenes that are very comedic in nature, whether it's the scenes that are very dramatic in nature, whether it's the scenes that are horrific in nature. Uh, you know, he did a, a spot on job with all of them and really created a movie that blended horror and comedy. Like I said, there weren't a lot of scares, but there was a lot of atmosphere and a lot of tension that was set because of, of the direction of this movie. And then you have all that comedy on top of it that was very natural and in, in not only the writing, but in the delivery and the performance. Uh, you know, I have to give him a, a lot of credit as, as well as the cast. They did a really good job. The writing was really good. The look of the whole movie was really good. You know, it, it had the opportunity to, to be very generic, but this place felt lived in. The game room felt interesting, you know, with all the different games, but then you have this, 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 the blackening game out in the middle on this table. It was all very interesting. I thought the masks for the the twins that were the the serial killers were creepy, and and they played off the old blackface look, but in a horrific way with a lot of stitching and and they were very creepy, scary masks. If I saw some big hulking guy bearing down on me with one of these masks i'd probably shit my pants but they did a good job with making these characters uh menacing even in the scene where the one can't fight it, it still seemed very very menacing and creepy and it was a little anticlimactic with him when allison comes out of nowhere and she apparently knows kung fu or, or something and uh, she whoops his ass <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was a fun scene to watch, but still felt a little anticlimactic for this big bad guy. But I think maybe that plays into the fact that he wasn't really the big bad guy Clifton was. The other twin that uh, was dressed up as this serial killer, <laughs> it was quite funny. He got puked on and then he got his brains bashed in. And you really didn't see any of the bashing, but you saw little bits and chunks of, of flesh and whatever spraying everywhere. And... It was one of those scenes where you didn't have to go really gory. Uh, you just had to suggest it that that made it so good. And I think the, the sound design on this was really uh, something special. Uh, the soundtrack as well and the score to this was really good. The, the one thing I noticed early on in the movie when you had the Sean and Morgan character coming to this house, the score really reminded me of the score that you would hear in some of those old Tales from the Dark Side episodes. Uh, the ones that I, I'd sneak out and stay up late at night and watch them and scare the bejesus out of me uh, on, uh, what was it, Saturday nights, uh, Friday nights, and I think it was Saturday nights. Uh, but but the score kind of reminded me of those uh, Tales from the Dark Side scores from back in the day. Very eerie, very creepy. So they did a really good job with, with the sound design and the, and the music in this as well. Not, not only that, but like the needle drops I thought were really good as well. But there you have it. Uh, those are my thoughts on The Blackening. Top to bottom, a really well done film. I I didn't have high hopes for this movie. Uh, not because of the subject matter or anything like that, but it, because it was a horror comedy. And I'm always leery about horror comedies. And while this did lean a little more comedy than horror, I think it was one of those special situations where you got a lot of comedy. Uh, a disproportionate amount of comedy... Uh, from real scares 
But I don't think you needed real scares. I don't think you need the boogeyman jumping out from a closet or out from under a bed to be really creepy and atmospheric and scary. And and where it didn't have a lot of scares or, or jumps or anything like that, it, it was scary in the fact that it was very atmospheric and very tension-driven. And while you didn't have a bunch of scares, you still had that atmosphere and tension as an underlie for this whole thing. So while it was very heavy on the comedy, it still felt like a horror movie throughout the whole thing, which I really appreciated. So I encourage everyone to check out The Blackening again. Like I said earlier, this is a movie that you want to go to the movie theater. You want to watch with a bunch of people. You want to watch with a group of friends and and enjoy the the atmosphere and the reaction of the crowd is one of those movies that you're going to enjoy uh, people's reactions just as much as what's playing on the silver screen. But I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on The Blackening. Check it out if you haven't. If you have, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did, if, if not more. But uh, check out more what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page. We've got trailers to the latest movies and TV series. Always posting articles I find all over the internet from horror, fantasy, and sci-fi subjects. I like to add my two cents as well. Check us out on Instagram. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, iTunes, whether you're listening to it on your Alexa, wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast, please share it with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And leave a review five stars would be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that so until next time thank you for visiting odds bodkins curiosity shop we hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon but even though you may come back you never really get to leave odds bodkins curiosity shop ha 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 ha